Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. We're continuing our series of messages. Uh, as you know, uh, Promise Keeper. We're discovering from God's word that he is a God of covenant, uh, that he is a God who honors his word. In fact, the scripture says in the Psalms that he has exalted his word far above his name. And, uh, and God, in his word, has given us uh, about 7,000 7, promises that are divine in origin. And God has every intention to fulfill every promise that he has made. Numbers 23 reminds us that he is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it and will he not do it? Amen. We serve a God who is faithful. And so we're celebrating the faithfulness of God and we're discovering God's promises even as we look to the text. And as we revisit uh, this familiar story for many the story of the birth of our Savior. Uh, today's text is lifted from Matthew chapter 1. Uh, this story is recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, but we're going to look at Luke's recollection of the birth of Jesus, uh, beginning in chapter 1 and verse 18. Baby, would you read that for us? I may interrupt you as you read. <laughs> Amen. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. Can I just say that one of the miracles of the Christmas story is that God wants to invade your life and invade my life and do the seemingly impossible, that things that don't make sense in the natural are possible with God. When you read the text and just read just that one phrase, that there was a young maiden who was a virgin who became pregnant, you realize that our God operates in paradox and he operates in oxymorons. I don't know what you're facing this morning. It may look like an impossible situation. It may seem, it may appear in the natural that there is no logical way that this could happen. But when you insert God into your situation, into your circumstance, all things are possible. How many of you believe that this morning? Most of us started 2018 with great expectations. For some of us, those expectations have not yet been fulfilled. But can I tell you that it's not over until God says it's over? It is only December 23rd. There's still about eight more days before this year ends. My son said two. You know why he said two? Because Levi's been assigned the task of changing the countdown in our house, the countdown to Christmas, and Levi knows he got two days until Christmas. But I was talking about the end of the year, little man, so you were close. We do have, what, eight days. Over the next eight days, my prayer is that your faith and your expectation will stretch to the size of your God. Are y'all with me? He can still do it in eight days because he is a promise keeper. Hold on to the promise of God. Hold on to the faithfulness of God. Don't throw in the towel just yet. Abide faithful, remain faithful, remain steadfast because our God is faithful. And he wants to show himself strong in the midst of your paradox. Do you hear that? 
in the midst of your paradox. Everything in the natural may appear one way, but God wants to come in and invade your situation and turn it around, turn it around for your good and for his glory. Go ahead, baby. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So good. Notice verse 22 again, that the birth of Jesus was a direct result of the fulfillment of a promise spoken through the promise, I mean, through the prophet. Remember, we're celebrating the fact, we're acknowledging the fact that our God is a promise keeper. So Jesus' birth wasn't just some abstract occurrence that happened in history. In fact, the birth of Jesus is central to all of history. In fact, it's how we measure history. History is measured before Christ and then A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Everything that we understand and measure in history is directly related to the advent, the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus, again, was not some haphazard abstract occurrence. It was prophetic in nature. Thousands of years, thousands of years of anticipation went into this singular moment that you and I get to celebrate this morning. In fact, it began at the very beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 where God himself speaks prophetically to Adam and Eve, specifically to Eve. And he says to her, the seed of the woman will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. In the Garden of Eden, God had already set in motion the plan of redemption and the plan of salvation. What we're seeing here in verses 22 and 23 is a promise made, but also a promise fulfilled. A promise made by God and a promise kept by God. So when verse 23 says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is the fulfillment of God's promise of a redeemer, of a savior named Jesus. Notice his name. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's what we want to talk about with you this morning, City Church. What does that really mean for those of us who are Christ followers? Or maybe those of us who are curious about the person of Jesus. You may have seen the pictures. You may have heard the story. But what does that really mean for us right now in real time? This whole idea of his name being Emmanuel and the meaning of that name being God with us. Today, as we look to God's word, we want to challenge you and we want to encourage you to personalize not just the story of Christmas, but also the promise of Christmas that he desires to be God with you. He desires to be God with you. With you. 
What we read in this story is not something that was just intended for Mary and Joseph. It's not something that was just intended for the Israelites. It is a promise that belongs to each of us right now in this moment. When life seems to be uncertain, when life seems to be shaky, we can return, we can go back to this simple promise that he is God with us. This morning we want to talk a little bit about what that could mean. Maybe even what that should mean for you as you personalize this promise. In fact, say this with me. God, I thank you that you are always with me. You will never leave me. Never forsake me. No matter what. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take it away, babe? Well, we're just going to go over briefly three uh, main points. And when Ray and I were um, discussing what we would talk about, uh, the name Emmanuel came back to me. And I don't know why I'm only remembering it at Christmas time, but it is one of the names of God. God has so many names. And it is my favorite name. Uh, I like the name Emmanuel, but just the promise that God is with us. So good. And with that particular promise, there is a promise of protection. And so we want to start off uh, with that. Well, during this season, Levi hasn't watched it so much this year, but last year for sure, I think we watched Home Alone probably 25 times. Uh, That was in one day. But we watched a lot of Home Alone. And so I was thinking about Home Alone as we were uh, preparing for this and thinking about God's protection. It says in Hebrews 13, 5, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is something important. I don't uh, want us to just hold on to it for this Christmas season, but just to take that with us throughout the rest of the year and just to keep that with us. You know, I see things on Instagram and um, like I saw somebody post, yeah, 2018 was the year, you know, you really found out who people were. And 2019, I'm not taking these chumps with me, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'll just be to myself and those types of things. And it kind of made me sad for people because even in the movie Home Alone, to be alone, aloneness makes us vulnerable to danger. That's not a place when we say, oh, I'm just done with people. It's like you got to get some the right person. My mom taught me if you got one good friend in the world, you're doing all right. And so you need a one somebody, just like little Kevin in Home Alone. When he, So if you don't know the story of Home Alone, it's this little boy. They've got this huge family. I think it's 15 people in the family. They've all gathered to go on this big trip to where are they going? To Paris. They're going to this trip to Paris. Kevin gets in trouble. They put him in the attic. He was wrongly accused, but then he had a little smarty mouth and he made this wish, you know, I wish my family would go away and all this kind of stuff. So they forget about him with all of the chaos, with all the kids, all the family that's in town. They forget to take Kevin with them. So he comes downstairs. Everybody is at the airport. They miscount. So they think he's just somewhere around and he ends up being home alone. And it just seems like it's fun at first And I think that's how human nature is. We don't want to answer to anybody. We want to be on our own. You mentioned the Garden of Eden. 
there, Adam and Eve were walking with God, and then they came up with the decision, it would be better to not have to answer to God. And so in the movie, Kevin is having fun. He's eating cereal. He's dancing on the bed, and everything is just going his way. I mean, he has this thing all worked out. But there comes a point that that same aloneness that seemed like a victory, it seemed fun. I don't have to answer to anybody. I can do whatever I want to do. That left him vulnerable to danger. And it's like that right now is aloneness can leave us vulnerable to the enemy's harassment, whether it's playing tricks on our mind, whether it's uh, vulnerable physically. And so Emmanuel, God with us, is a promise of God's protection, not that he's just going to be with us. Have you ever seen somebody, you know, you, I see, I like Instagram. (laughs) So I watch all these crazy videos on Instagram. And so it's, you know, you may see these trick things like somebody jumps out and you're with friends and the friends run away. It's like they leave you unprotected. But God is not that friend that when something comes out, he's going to run. He is going to protect you. So in this Christmas season, we want you to in this season as we're celebrating his birth is that Emmanuel, God with us, is a promise of protection and not just to be there so we can pray, but for so many things. And we have to access that. And as we were talking about, you know, is eight days left in the year. And there are some things that we've been believing God for as we were preparing for this. For me, you don't have to assume this posture for me. It's like I've thrown all that to the wind. All this stuff that, you know, you're hoping and believing for. But this one thing, Emmanuel, is the thing that I'm holding on to. All of this, I've been trying to build this business, and it's not even a sad story because you have to really work the business to build the business. So I didn't get my business as far along as I wanted to. I'm not doing as well as I want to in homeschool. There's so many things going on, but guess what? I am comforted. I am not going to leave 2018 sad and putting posts on Instagram. I am going to hold on to the fact that I'm still alive and God is with me. And I have to, for my own sanity, that has to be enough. I've got to just settle it right there that you are with me. Not about what I want and what I need to do and who I'm supposed to be. I, I, for me, Wendy, I just got to leave it right there. You are with me so good that's a great word in fact uh, hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 what you alluded to that god will never leave us never forsake us and that is not just vain repetition it would have been enough if god had said i will never leave you but the fact that he goes a step further and says i will never forsake you uh should uh grab our attention because he's saying two very specific things there number one i will never leave you is physical in nature when you look at the greek It is a promise of God's abiding presence that wherever you go, I'm going to be there with you physically to watch over you and to keep you. It is a promise of his abiding physical presence. But the second thing that he himself promises, notice Hebrews 13, 5, God himself has promised not to abandon us physically, But when it talks about forsaking, it speaks specifically of withdrawing emotionally. That's good news this morning, City Church, that the God we serve will not withdraw himself from us emotionally. That means he's going to get down in the trenches with you through the anxiety, 
through the frustration, through the anger, through the disappointment, through the feelings of not being valued or worth anything, he's going to get right down there in the trenches with you. You know why? Because the scripture says that he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Because he himself was in all ways tempted, yet without sin. Remember we talked about the circumstances into which he was born. He was born into Nazareth, a tiny town, no more than 10 acres, where the life expectancy was uh, 30, 32, 35 years old. Jesus knows what it's like not to be the most popular, voted least likely to succeed, and that's why he can connect with us in our place of pain. That's why he promises not only to be with us physically, but never to withdraw from us emotionally. So no matter what you're going through this morning, City Church, you can leave it at the altar. And you're not just giving it and entrusting it to a God who cannot understand. You are entrusting it to a God who knows what it's like to say, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be criticized. He knows what it's like not to be invited. And you can bring that to him because he will not only be with you physically, but he will never abandon you emotionally. Notice what the scripture says in Psalm 46 and verse 1. It says, the Lord our God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help in our time of trouble. That is a promise of God to be there physically. But notice Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 39. Would you read that for us, baby? Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. In fact, I might get there before you do. If I get there before you do, do you mind if I read it? I don't. You don't? Say that one more time, baby. That sounded nice in my ear. She said, I don't. Romans 8. Come on, somebody. That was that. That had that little Eartha kid Santa baby on it, man. Oh, let me, let me take, let me, let me bring it back in. Sorry. Bring it back in. I'm going to anoint this jacket. Lord, in help Jesus us stay name. focused. I'm there. Just say focus one more time. No, because oh. that's her son's name from Children's Church. I can't. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And so she said, no, I'm like, oh. Okay, oh Romans 8. And 28, yeah, we had to take this jacket off. Come on. <laughs> that jacket is causing all kind of trouble. Romans 8, 31. 31, all right, Romans 8, 31. It says, what shall we say about such things as these? Mm. If God is for us, who can be against us? Mm. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Can I, can I just pump the brakes there and let y'all know that's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture? When I'm struggling in my faith and I'm asking myself that question, will God do it? Or will God do it for me? I go back to Romans 8.32. God, if you didn't withhold Jesus from me, how much more will you freely give me all things? If you already gave me your very best gift, how much more will you give me the things I ask of you? That's a good promise to stand on. If you didn't withhold Jesus, how much more will you give me the things I ask of you according to your word? Your word. All right. Go ahead, baby. Verse 33. Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? 
No one for God himself have, has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? There it is. He says, I'll never abandon you emotionally. There is absolutely nothing. In fact, Paul's about to give us a short list of the things that potentially could separate us from the love of God. But he says, even those things are impotent. They are inadequate to separate us from the love of God. Regardless of where you've been, your shame, your guilt, whatever it is, there is absolutely nothing that will ever separate you from the love of God because he himself has promised, I ain't going to leave you physically and I will not withdraw from you emotionally because there's absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing on earth, in heaven, under the earth that could ever separate us from the love of God. Here's the short list. What's the short list? Did he give us a short list? Yes. Yeah, give us a short list, Mia. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Mm. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity mm. or are persecuted mm. or hungry mm. or destitute or in danger mm. or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. Mm. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Mm. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Here it is. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, mm. neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Mm. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on. City Church, that's the power of the story of Christmas. When Jesus came, he came to guarantee that you and I can walk in this revelation that there is absolutely nothing that will ever separate you from the love of God. What does God with us mean? It means that our God has given us a promise of protection physically and emotionally, and that there is absolutely nothing. I want you to hear it, City Church. I'm, I, it sounds like I'm, when I'm saying it, like we're not sure. Can my sin separate me from God? Can my mistakes separate me from the love of God? Can my failure separate me from the love of God? If you ever feel, if you ever feel, if you ever feel like you're not enough, go back to Romans chapter 8 and rediscover how much God loves you. And his promise that there is absolutely nothing that will ever separate you from his love. And I think that's something that we may miss in trying to relay the message of God's love. It is those shortcomings, those sins that qualify us for that love. Come on. It, that isn't the thing that's going to separate us. When God looked down at us and he saw that we were wanting to do things on our own and we were running amok, he became Jesus. God sent Jesus as our ultimate present, so as our gift to the world so that we could be in that love and that fellowship. He was the ultimate sacrifice. So if we were perfect people, if we were little robots, 
there would not have ever been a need for Jesus. And so don't think that, say, oh, well, that's just, uh, you know, church saying, or this is just a Christmas message. This is truth. Those shortcomings, that, uh, those feelings of abandonment, that separation is why Jesus came so that we would always have a reminder that we have an advocate in him. It says, though mother and father forsake you, sister and brother, friends, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't let the lie of the enemy, oh, you've done this or you've been there or why to go to church now? You hadn't been there in so long. All those types of things that qualify us for Jesus' love. He was saying it was his love that looked over and said, oh, I don't want them to feel lonely. I don't want them to be lost. The sacrifices of the Old Testament, the goat, the calves, the doves, there was not enough animals. There would never be enough animals to atone our sin. And so God, wanting to give us the ultimate gift, said, I'm going to send you Jesus. Jesus willingly came. And so those things that try to seemingly talk us out of fellowship with God are the very things that qualify us for such an extravagant gift in him is that those are the things that allow us to be able to run back to him to have a hiding place to have a place where we belong but a promise of redemption it doesn't our righteousness because of Jesus you know what righteousness means it means right standing it doesn't mean perfect Jesus was the only one that was perfect. That doesn't give us a license to sin, but it gives us hope that I fall down and I can get back up again. Because of what Jesus did. Awesome, awesome. First promise is a promise of his protection, God with us. Secondly, what does God with us, what does this name Emmanuel mean to us? How can we personalize this? Number one, we know that God protects us. He'll never abandon us. He'll never forsake us. But number two, the presence of God, the abiding presence of God, gives us a promise, come on, y'all ready for this? A promise of his joy. Mm -hmm. The promise of his joy. Uh, uh, I I think we miss the power of experiencing the joy of the Lord. This is what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. He says, the joy of the Lord is what? Is my strength. What the enemy is after is your joy because if he knows, if he can steal your joy. Remember John 10 and 10, uh, that he's a thief? And the thief only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Guess what he comes to steal? He comes to steal your joy. Why? Because your joy is your strength. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, can I suggest this to you, City Church? That silence is the sound of defeat. And the enemy knows that he's won. Once he can get you to grow silent, once he can steal your praise, he has stolen your joy, he's stolen your worship, and as a consequence, he has stolen your strength. And there are many of us in the body of Christ who are feeble because we've lost our song. And the reason we've lost our song is we've allowed the enemy to invade our lives, to disrupt us emotionally, to silence us, And now we walk around feeble because the enemy knows that the joy of the Lord is, in fact, your strength. And that's what he's after. I'm sitting here and I get a text message. I told you a few weeks ago 
the time for playing church is over. I'm sitting here and I get a text message from Josh Franklin, our sound guy. And he said, pray for Angie, the young lady who was running our media because they just rushed her brother to the hospital. Just rushed her brother to the hospital. And we're two days away from Christmas. I don't know the details, but it's the work of the adversary. It is the work of the enemy to come against you, to come against your family, to come against everything that is precious and valuable to you because he is a thief, he is a murderer and a destroyer. And what he's after is your joy. So let's pray for Angie now. Her mom was sitting right there with her and they got the message and they had to rush out of the service to the hospital. Father, we lift up your daughter Angie to you. We lift up her family to you now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against them will prosper. In Jesus' name, God, would you stretch forth your hand and touch her brother in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask you, Lord, to preserve his life, that this thing will not be unto death, but that the name of the Lord would be glorified. God, we send forth your word, and we trust you, God, to reverse everything that is out of order in his body in the name of Jesus. We declare that he is the healed of the Lord in Jesus' name. And that he will not steal this family's joy this holiday season. In Jesus' name. It is so. We have a promise of his joy. Wendy and I, when we do premarital counseling with couples, I can't give away all my info now because you might come into a premarital counseling session and know what we're doing. But one of the things that we try to measure is their joy quotient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When a couple ain't laughing, it's a problem. Because when the laughter stops, it is replaced by one of two things. Either silence or shouting. Either fight or flight. One will withdraw and suffer in silence and the other might become belligerent. And so when we sit down with couples, we just ask them questions, and we just try to gauge how much they laugh and how much they joke with each other. Their willingness to laugh at themselves, the willingness for their uh, fiancé or spouse to laugh at them, that's another big one. We can laugh all day long as long as you ain't laughing at me. Oh, we, we measure all of that. Because once the laughter stops, it's replaced by silence or shouting, and both are equally detrimental to the health of the relationship. If you're struggling this Christmas season, and you've lost your smile, you've lost your laughter, you've lost your joy, God with us is a promise of joy. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, verse 11. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Notice what Luke chapter 2 and verse 10 says. This is the announcement that was made at the birth of Jesus. Then the angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great, not just a little bit, of great joy of great joy, which will be to all 
people. The birth of Jesus signaled the advent of great joy. Not just for those who are alive to witness his birth, but even for us this Christmas season. I know you're, 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 you might be a little bit concerned about the in-laws coming over. It might, it might be the source of the loss of your joy. Come on, somebody. But you have a promise of great joy this Christmas season because of Emmanuel. Last point, number three, we have a promise of his peace. The promise of his peace. When Jesus was born, the angels not, didn't only announce uh, this promise of great joy, but it also announced peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. In fact, the Bible promises in Isaiah chapter 9 that his name will be called Prince of Peace. Do you just need some peace, man? Just, just some peace. You just want your space at least 24 hours at a time just to be free from drama. Just to be just to be at peace. Have you ever really experienced just peace? Just a time in your life, man, when, when the only way I can say it when was when you were at peace. I'm sitting here trying to think about times when it's like there's this thing that's happening, that thing that's happening, that, and just to be able to say, I am at peace. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. That God's desire is that you and I will enter rest. That we will cease from our labor, from our striving, and just rest in him. Just rest in him. And I told y'all, as I was sitting up here preaching, I didn't tell y'all, but I told, uh, I told our leaders while I was preaching and talking about entering the rest of God and how I had made a decision that God, if it's going to happen, it's up to you. That my part is simply obedience and your part is the outcome. I'm not going to wrestle with the outcome. All I'm going to do is obey. While I'm preaching and trusting God and say I'm going to be obedient and the outcome rests with you, I walk out to service and I get a text message where somebody wanted to bless our church. The check came in, unsolicited, check came in uh, on Tuesday. While I'm sitting at work, unsolicited. I'm talking about entering the rest of God. And I told you all about the promise God gave us that we would not go out empty-handed seven years ago that he is a promise keeper. While I'm sitting at my desk at work, unsolicited. Come on now. I ain't talking about that kind of stuff that Bishop Don Juan with the pinky ring be doing to people. <laughs> and twisting their arm and manipulating them into give. We have needs here at City Church. But we've always, we've always looked to God for his provision. That's why when you come, we don't hassle your hustle. While I'm sitting at my desk at work, I got a text message from an executive pastor of a mega church here in, in, in the city. I won't tell you what city, in the metroplex. He said, Ray, we've decided to bless your church. Come on, somebody. End of year. 
And I've been going to the mailbox every day. Not checking there yet. I'm just going to keep it real. <laughs> Yesterday was Saturday. Because I want to see how many zeros on the back of that check. Come on, somebody. A whole lot of zeros. So every day I went to check. I said, they're right in the city, and I got this text. So they probably put it in the mail that day. And, 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 and so, okay, so it's right here in the city. I'm going to give it two days. I mean, it's one day, technically. Y'all don't, y'all know how y'all do when y'all waiting on that blessing. Come on. The mailbox be your friend. So, man, I was like, okay, Friday didn't come through. Okay, so Saturday I went away. Yesterday I went away. I said, I'm going to wait till late. Make sure they drop nothing. Y'all thought I was going to tell y'all something, man. It's coming, though. I got to get back over into rest, right? It's guaranteed. And one of the things I don't think that um, as we're talking about this joy, peace, rest, mm-hmm. it's not something that's going to be a feeling. Right. It's not just going to come to you. Mm-hmm. It is an actual tug of war. So what will happen is the enemy, Pastor Jesse be the enemy, please, right? Just oh, Pastor. Mm-hmm. And so say this is my joy, this is my rest, this is my peace, and the enemy will try to come and snatch it. And then we can get in our feelings and be mad, and it's not going to come. The joy, the peace is not going to come because it says the enemy comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. So you just have to get up off your hiney parts and just say, this belongs to me. I got a promise, and give me my stuff back. And it'll be a war because in five minutes you'll feel all right, and then the enemy will come back and try to steal your stuff, and you got to keep on. You got to say, I choose to be happy. No matter what. And the enemy think that you are like, excuse me, children, that you just a punk about it. Because that's what they think about Christians. And that's how we have sometimes acted when we've forgotten the promise. And then he just keeps coming. It's not going to come as a feeling. It's not going to come because of somebody does something for you. It's going to come from a flat foot dog decision. You will not have my stuff. I'm coming to get it back. The other day I was driving on the freeway. You can sit down. Thank you. You will ordain you again I was driving on the freeway on the overpass I have never not one second in my life been afraid of heights and I'm driving over the overpass and I'm telling you this thing hit me I thought I was losing my breath I mean like anxiety like fear I mean like I'm tingling in my body breaking out in a hot sweat over an overpass I'm almost 50 years old so that's what I said I acted just as dogmatic I said ain't no way I'm gonna be almost 50 being afraid I never had fear afraid of fear of heights I'm not gonna have fear of heights I gotta drive all over the city Lord I thank you for your peace whatever this thing is you can get out and I rolled down the window and I told it to get out I rolled the window back up and I finished my drive and ain't been scared since come on somebody come on when it comes to peace and when it comes to can you imagine I have a nine-year-old that I have to drive back and forth three times a week I cannot afford to have anxiety while I'm driving this is not condemnation to you I'm talking about me my joy was about to be stolen I have never and I'm telling you I mean I don't I've never had a panic attack but I, I mean, I've just been so weepy because I feel when people talk about anxiety, sometimes you just got to take it. I mean, I didn't have a smile on my face. I didn't quote a scripture. I just said, I ain't finna be scared in Jesus' name. 
I didn't even have correct English because the thing, you know, sometimes it just comes and it tries to hit you. And you have to make a conscious decision. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not going there. I drive a lot, so that gives me a lot of time of thinking. And Levi's in class for two hours, and so your mind could just go someplace, and you can start just being all sad. For, I mean, just to be about to cry, and I have to say out loud, nope, 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 nope. I don't receive it. I don't receive it, Lord. I thank you for your peace. Emmanuel. So this joy that we're talking about, it doesn't come because everything is okay. This peace we're talking about, it doesn't come because the bills are paid and everybody is healthy. It comes as a conscious decision every second of the day. Nope. I'm not, and I have to talk it out loud because I will just go from 100 to 0 in 0.2 seconds. I could take myself there emotionally and feel, I mean, I just get a violin and I just sing a sad song to myself and don't nobody love And I could just violin. go, I mean, yes. I mean, just play my own sad song and I have to, like I'm talking about being almost 50 years old. Guess what? I'm almost 50. It's time to grow up and believe what I preach. Believe this word that I say that I believe. And so just be encouraged. Yes, are we going to have some upset times? Absolutely. Will you be mad about some stuff? You have a right to be. Will you be brokenhearted? And will you cry? Tears don't compromise your strength. But after you cry, get your pack of tissue and get you some Carmex. Grease your lips up and just say, I choose the joy of the Lord. Life is hard and it will happen, but we have to make a decision because it is our strength. You know how when you get sad, how you don't feel like waking up in the morning, you don't want, not for the men, but the women, you don't want to put your eyelashes on or your makeup I mean it's like your strength is gone and it has as much to do with the decision as it does our circumstance yeah. sometimes you just got to put the lipstick on just ladies just to just make it through the day sometimes you have to work yourself into that conscious decision that decision saying I'm gonna be happy it may not just come automatic depending on the circumstance sometimes you have to just work yourself into it one step at a time one breath at a time you are with me 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 and sometimes, in some days, some circumstances, that's all we'll have. But guess what? It is more than enough. So good. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, that's a good place to wrap. Yes. Uh, that his name is Emmanuel. Uh, he is God with us. And the promise of his presence, his abiding presence, is his protection, his joy, and his peace. There's so much more we could say. But this is where we close. I read this quote recently from Corey Ten Boom, and if you, if you haven't read her story, it is profound, it is prolific, it is a story of courage, of love and forgiveness. But this is what Corey Ten Boom said. Uh, she said, never be afraid to trust an uncertain future to a known God. If there's something we can leave you with today, it would simply be those words. This Christmas season, especially as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, especially as we acknowledge him as God with us. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And when we live with that posture in our hearts, that posture of faith, childlike faith and that posture of trust, 
we will experience his joy and his peace, not only during the Christmas season, but every day that the Lord gives us. And so this morning, this morning as we close, uh, we wanted to celebrate communion with you. Uh, uh, and as we prepare to close out the year, uh, the ushers are making their way toward you. And uh, this Christmas, day, uh, Christmas season, as we prepare for Christmas, we want to take communion together. Because we realize that the cross would have been impossible without Bethlehem. The reason there was a cross, the reason there was a Calvary, is because of Bethlehem. So it is fitting that this morning, as we choose to trust him, as we choose to trust the promise keeper and the team can come, singers and band, we're going to take communion together. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at citychurchtv.com. If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text City Church TV and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.